Hi, I'm Rachel Flynn. I'm an actor and director and writer living and working in New York City. Hey, I'm Ned Donovan. I'm an actor living here in New York City. I'm also a fight director. And we're the hosts of this podcast. At the Table, a play reading series is an opportunity for listeners to join us as we explore new work, both from a writing perspective. The writers are going to get to hear their work in the mouths of incredibly talented actors. Uh, It's an opportunity for listeners to hear these incredibly talented actors try to play together um, and determine what the work is, explore what the work is, both for themselves and for for the writers who are hopefully going to be getting a lot out of this. On our podcast, we are also going to be interviewing the playwrights who wrote these fantastic plays and getting their thoughts on their writing process and what led them to write the play that we just read. Yeah, we're going to get an opportunity to hear what these playwrights think about the state of theater in general and, and their work and the work of others and uh, with, an, with a lens towards the, the cool stuff that they're creating. Every month we'll be releasing two or three episodes. First, we'll release the play, broken up into acts. And then later in the month, we'll release an interview episode with the playwright, where we hear their thoughts about the play, about the industry of theater as a whole, or who knows, something random like their thoughts on snacks. So let's talk about the first couple of plays that we've selected to produce for this podcast. Uh, Rachel, do you want to talk about the first? So the the first play we've been looking at uh, that we're going to be reading through is Shannon Deep's If Found, Please Call, which what struck me about it is that it's about personal connection through in spite of or despite personal failings, which I sort of I, I, I dig. And I think that there's uh, there's some really interesting interplay, this kind of great this great Venn diagram of personal interaction difficulties that come with um, substance abuse and addiction and also those that come with um, non-substance abuse related mental health issues and sort of the Venn diagram of of isolation that comes from dealing with those two things Uh, because you've got uh, two central characters dealing with very extreme versions of of both of those scenarios um, who find each other. We have a play called Troop 54 by Justin Colombo, another New York City-based playwright. I swear that they won't all be New York City-based. No, let's get people from everywhere. Yeah. That's just like... As, I want to hear what I want to hear what plays are coming Iceland, out of Wisconsin. But yeah, Wisconsin. Yeah. Somewhere exotic. Um, that's exotic. Um, Justin Colombo is a New York City actor and playwright. If you ever saw Rock of Ages on tour, he may have been your Lonnie. Um, <laughs> he may have been your Lonnie is the name of a podcast we haven't created yet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he played Lonnie for, I think, three years on tour, two years no on way. tour. Uh, and while on this tour, he wrote this play uh, called Troop 54, which is um, about a Boy Scout troop who gets lost in the woods. And uh, their scout leaders are a little inept, and uh, they are responsible for trying to figure out how to get these kids back out of the woods. It's a comedy. I'm so excited for this play. It's hilarious. It's so it's funny. It's so funny for this. It's a great time. As a as an adult who frequently plays teenagers and in, uh, in New York theater, I this is we're gonna have fun finding people to like really nail their inner eleven year old scouts. Absolutely, I'm really looking forward to that. Later later this season, we're gonna be looking at a play called Parched by playwright Dustin Sullivan. He is also a, a, a lyricist through the BMI program. Uh, yeah, I know it's very. He's got the he's got the cre- the cred, um, and he's been playwriting for. Playwriting, novel writing, I think, you know, a He's mix been writing. of a hodgepodge of writing uh, about six years now, I think. Um, the play Parched that we're looking at is a semifinalist for The O'Neill. The play itself, Parched, um, is, uh, it's funny, 
but it's about loss, everybody. It's about loss. Um, it is. It follows a young man who is selling his father's land after his father passed, um, and in the midst of this, it kind of dabbles in magical realism. Uh, he's trying to sell off the land so he can leave town and never come back. Uh, and unfortunately, right before he goes to sell, uh, there's a huge downpour in the town and uh, everything gets soaking wet except for his father's land, which remains bone dry. Mm. So he has to go about trying to sell the land, but the town is trying to figure out why um, why nothing will grow, why there will be no moisture, why the land stays parched. Um, and there's also a love story in there. Yeah, it's a it's a rad show. It's really, it's it's beautiful. There are also so many benefits to creating a theater-based podcast when we live in the theater hub that is New York City. One of the benefits of working in New York is meeting all of these actors who are here, and all the, the, the joke, right, is that there are thousands upon millions of us and none of us can pay rent. This is one of the only situations where that's beneficial, right, because we've got all these incredible, you know, a, a top, top, tier actors with like a little bit of time willing to willing to play on a new work and willing to sit down and really bring something exciting to these plays many of which have not been fully produced yet so I think there's gonna be something really exciting in that in getting an actor that's like I can't believe they're sitting here and hearing them touch a new work for the first time we have people that we've talked to about this who said I would love to be involved and they are they yeah, are yeah absolutely. they are in yeah. Broadway shows and they were like I'd love to do one if you're doing one in the morning and I don't have a show till seven well come on out like yeah. that's really cool and it's something that the theater community at large not just actors but directors playwrights even designers because they want to like I have friends who when they do these readings they bring in designers who create mock-ups of what they would do yeah. and then they read the play and that's fun too like it's it allows everyone to have a, a chance to play. And so often when you involve the full production aspect, we start having an administrative conversation that can kill play. I think the beauty of play readings, of, of readings in general, of sitting down and, and trying work out loud, whether for the first time or just any sort of prior to production stage, without the confines of what's going to sell tickets, who are the celebrities that we can get for this, who's going to... Uh, pay rent on the theater all of those those requirements are stripped away and it gets to be about having fun it gets to be ha about having fun from from a directorial perspective and from uh, a performance perspective and certainly for the writer um and also you know it's icing if you know <laughs> mr niederlander is listening to this podcast and says like that's the one i want like uh call you know you can go to our website um and uh and contact these playwrights and obviously we'd love to help some of these playwrights get their work further out there that's one of the central functions here. Yeah, so if you're interested in one of the plays that we perform on this podcast, you can learn all about it at our website, www.chargingmoosemedia.com slash podcast. We'll have information on the actors, the playwrights, the plays themselves, and uh, yeah, we're really excited about this podcast. I'm psyched. I'm so excited for all the shows that we have coming up. This yeah. is, I'm jazzed. We have, we when we first sat down, Ned said, well, we want to find shows that are completely disparate. We want to find stuff from all genres, all different types of work that's happening. And we, even with the ones that we're looking at so far this season, it's, we've, we've nailed it. Uh, one of the reasons I think that this is so exciting, uh, this opportunity to hear these new plays is we get to invite listeners into this already existing culture of play readings that's occurring in New York, that these uh, living room play readings and kitchen play readings happen all the time. We've all been to, you know, our friends say, I'm trying 
trying this new one or I have a new draft or a friend of mine wrote this play. We need a third girl. Come on over. Um, there'll be snacks. And uh, living rooms are, are not big enough to, to for the kind of uh, audience that I think would be interested in this. So we're inviting folks to get a sense of what this already existing world looks like of come on in. Here's a new work. Sit on this couch and, and listen to these people do what they do really well, which is see words for the first time and 12 seconds later create beautiful characters out of them and enact this gorgeous narrative. Coming up this season, we've got comedies, we've got horrors, we've got uh, romantic comedies, we've got all sorts of ridiculousness coming from all sorts of genres. We've got interviews with really cool playwrights from all over. And um, we're gonna hear a little bit about now what they think is going on in theater. We've got amazing actors. We've got Broadway actors, off-Broadway actors, West End actors coming from all over to come play with all of us. And and I would imagine just a ridiculous number of snacks. That's really- Snacks. Yeah, so many snacks. Send us snacks. Please send us snacks. Send us that popcorn Snacks. thing. And now, here's a special sneak peek of our first episode, If Found, Please Call by Shannon Deep. In this scene, our protagonist, Helena, has come to return a lost cat that she found to its owner, Noah. And just as a warning, this scene does contain strong language. Act one, scene two, the living room. Hello? Hello, I have your cat? The door was open, so... From off, Noah can be heard talking on a cell phone in hushed tones. I really can't have this conversation right now. We, we couldn't have talked about this last night? Is that really my fault? Noah is about to enter the living room. Helena panics, not wanting to catch a stranger on the phone in his own home. The crate meows. She ducks just out of sight behind a wall or large piece of furniture. Noah enters. He rifles through a few drawers. Amy. Amy, listen to me. If you keep this up, I honestly don't know how much longer I can... Because I am at his birthday party, and I am trying to find his fucking EpiPen in case a bee stings him or he eats the peanut butter. I, it's not the landline, but it doesn't matter. He finds the EpiPen in a drawer, then slams it shut, exiting. I have to go. I'm going back outside. Amy, enough. Noah exits to the backyard. Joey enters from the backyard and startles Helena. He is several years younger than she is and dresses like a high schooler. The crate meows. Hey. Uh, hi, you're, are you Noah? Yup, I'm Noah. You're the lady who called about the cat. Toby, yes. I'm sorry, the door was wide open and I kept knocking, so I just walked right in. Oh, and... dude, totally fine, really, no worries. <laughs> There's a birthday party out back, people in and out all day. You see the little kids? No, but I could hear them, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's a fucking bouncy castle, man. Kids lose their shit over bouncy castles. I... Don't. You want something to drink? We've got like beer and wine, juice and pouches. Oh, these things are like crack. No, that's okay. Can I just. Cake? Do you want cake? We've got so much fucking cake. I'd like to put your cat down. He's kind of heavy. Oh, oh yeah, sure, sure. Here, take him. I'll take him and I will put him in the basement to chill out for a while. Hey, little dude. How'd you get him in there? He really likes tuna. Uh, I'll be right back. Don't move. Joey exits with the crate. Helena sees a stack of coasters on a table. She unstacks them and lays them all out. Joey returns with the empty crate, towels, and used duct tape. You really had him in there. He was like a, a cheetah or something. Well, I just didn't want him to get out. It would be a shame if I lost your pet after I just told you I found him. Well, congrats. <laughs> Tubby is back safe and sound. Why don't you sit for a minute? Oh, okay, thanks. So, 
I thought I thought the cat's name was Toby. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, it is. I just I call him Tubby as a nickname. Oh, how long has he been gone? Uh, few days, I guess. You don't know? Sure, I know. I just I have to think about it. Uh, well, I think a a window was left open Tuesday, and he just you know just jumped on out. Does he do this a lot? I don't think so. Seems pretty lazy. Do you want to know where I found him? Uh, definitely. Just sitting on my porch, a big black and white puffball on my lawn chair. <laughs> so you live close by? Just two streets over. I recognized him from the poster instantly, and I got so excited. I always looked at those lost pet posters when I take walks, and I wonder about them. Do you ever do that? Months after, you know, they're all faded and torn and wrinkly from rain, but nobody has taken them down. Don't you ever wonder if they were found? You never know. Nobody ever posts, thanks, we found Milo flyers. So you just, you never know. I guess you don't. So Would whose like birthday some, some is, cake? oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, you go ahead. <laughs> uh, I was just asking whose birthday it was. Oh, right, my nephew, Durbin. D Durbin, is that his name? You're fucking awful, right? I mean, it's okay. You can laugh. What? It's like some kind of bad joke. That's what you call, that's what you name a horse. Well, I thought you named a horse a whole sentence or something. Ah, well, Durbin's fourth birthday party is a good name for a horse, son. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> well, uh, I should, how old am I? Yeah. Oh, no, no, wait. <laughs> First your name, and then how old you are. Uh, I'm Helena. Why do you want to know how old I am? I'm just wondering. You look pretty young. But mature. Like, maybe 31, 32? I'm 28. Well, shit. I should go. Thanks for your hospitality, and I'm glad Toby got home. Yeah, yeah, he's a lucky little shit. Hey, Helena, are you sure you don't want cake? It's got Spider-Man on it. No, thanks. I have to go. She gathers the crate and starts for the door. I do, I do think about that stuff. That stuff with the, the pets. You know, do they ever get back? That stuff. And sometimes I, I take the old signs down. I don't like looking at them. I always want to call and just ask if they got home okay, but... Yeah? Yeah. I don't even like animals. <laughs> Unseen by Joey, Noah enters from the backyard. I don't either. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go home and lint roller my entire house. Are you sure you don't want cake or anything? Joey, who's your friend? Uh, this is Helena. Hi, I'm Noah. Wait, you're Noah? Uh, yes. He's Noah? Who are you? I'm Joey. Joey? Who's Joey? He's Joey. Who are you? M me? I brought the cat back. Toby? You brought Toby back. That's great. Wait, what, what do you mean, his cat? I don't know. I'm not sure whose cat it is anymore, but it's in the basement now, and I am confused, and I am going to leave. Helena goes to leave. Joey runs between her and the door. Oh, please don't. I'm, I'm sorry. What did you say to her? Goodbye. Good luck with Darwin's birthday party. It's Durbin. Uh, my son's name is Durbin. Your son... So this is your brother? In-law. Look, I don't understand. No, it's my fault. It's it's my fault. I told you that I was Noah. Noah is my brother-in-law. And his family lives with me. You live with us. And I live with them. And it is their cat. <laughs> uh, and when you called and you said you had the cat, you sounded nice. And Jesus, Joey. 
I'm so sorry for his behavior. No, no, it's fine, really. Anyway, your cat is back, so I'll be... Yes, yes, that's really great. Thanks. Uh, Where did you find him? All curled up like a football on a porch. Not a... uh, Yes, yes, on my porch. I had seen the posters. Well, I'm really glad you found him. Derby will be so happy. He loves that cat. You said he's in the basement? Yeah, I, I put him down there since all the doors were open. That's the smartest thing you've done all week. Pretend I said thank you. Well, I am going to go make sure Toby has food and water, and then go tell Derby the good news. Great. And Helena, is it? Helena, feel free to have a piece of cake or something. We're really thankful you brought him back. Very thankful. Noah exits with a glare to Joey. Joey slumps onto the couch, embarrassed like a child scolded in front of a friend. Sorry. Sorry I didn't tell you who I was. I'm actually a giant asshole, and so stuff like that just seems to roll. I think I'll have some cake. What, really? You said it's Spider-Man, right? Yeah, and it's dairy-free because Durbin is lactose intolerant, obviously. Oh. Oh, did I mention that he's also an albino? Shut up! Amanda <laughs> God, he's running around here in something called a, a sun shirt so he doesn't burst into flames around <laughs> Joey plucks a picture off a shelf and hands it to her. It looks like something from the bottom of the sea, doesn't oh. it? Oh, poor little guy. No, 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 no. He is evil. <laughs> Six to one, he is the reason Tubby ran away. Toby. The semantics. That's not what that means. I don't care. And, and that is my sister. Amy? Amy. Chelsea. Oh. Wait, where'd you get Amy? I don't know. I thought someone said it earlier. Nope. Her name is Chelsea. She's pretty. She is. It had done a lot better than that dick of a husband. Uh, you know, you don't have to say anything. Everyone even everyone knows it, even Chelsea. Oh. I mean, God forbid she hears me say anything about it, though. Such a fucking peacemaker. Gandhi would be jealous. She is a militant peacemaker. What's the war about? She doesn't know how to talk to me. You're very talkative. Yeah, yeah, that's part of the problem. Do you ever have that with someone? Like, you know, you know they're they're awesome and you like crazy love them, but you can't just fucking communicate like a blind person speaking to a deaf person who is using sign language i guess i don't know well you're lucky then i mean she's great chelsea but she's such a goddamn mom anyway so cake fuck yes yes cake ah just hang on a sec and i will get it joey exits if you stay long enough, the kids will all sugar crash, and then we can use the bounty castle. Ah, mm, that is not a no. <laughs> Helena studies the family portrait she's still holding. Not Amy. She spies a stack of magazines on the coffee table. She puts the portrait down and clasps her hands together. She waits. Her foot taps. She tries to ignore the panic that's mounting. Finally, it's too much. She unstacks the magazines, then checks her hands three times for paper cuts and slumps in defeat. End of scene. At the Table, a play reading series is produced by Charging Moose Media, recorded by Marcus Begala in Astoria, New York. Artwork by Haley Shibble, 
Haley is a graphic designer and animator living in New York City. And what's interesting is it's the only visual aspect of this podcast that will ever exist. It is the only thing people will ever see. And she did a brilliant job creating something that we're very happy with and catches the eye. Charging Moose Media is a New York City-based production company specializing in new media. If it's podcasts, web series, if it's web comics, what is a a new idea and a new approach to approaching um, interesting content? And we are especially interested in uh, telling great stories through the art of new media. If you enjoyed listening to At The Table, a play reading series, please subscribe to our podcast. More subscribers and listeners allows us to get more sponsors, which allows us to bring you more great plays along with more content across the Charging Moose Media platform.